3: How good is Derrick Henry? How does Mike McCarthy impact the Dallas offense? And which teams will win in the divisional round? We're talking all that and more on Roto Viz Radio. Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by my bookie. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined by the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Mr. Matthew Friedman. I do have a quick show update uh to share with our listeners from now until probably sometime approaching the summer. We're going to be posting two shorter shows each week. One will post earlier on in the week, normally Monday or Tuesday, and the other will come out maybe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh That could change, but that's more or less the plan. Each show will probably be shorter, around 30 minutes long, so... Uh kind of just splitting up that normal show that we would do into two pieces, anyway, Matt, how are you doing in twenty twenty and did you make any new year's resolutions?
1: uh I'm doing okay. I don't really think I made any resolutions uh like I think just sort of like continuing to try to do what it is that I do on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's my my resolution, you know, like uh if I actually have the time to exercise a little bit, you know, like try to do that. Uh, try not to eat like complete crap, you know? So, yep. just some of the basic things that people should probably be trying to do in general.
3: Reminds me of the uh, episode of Seinfeld where Kramer gets invited to that banquet. Uh, I forget who it's by. And uh, George is like, Why did they invite you? And he's like, he, Apparently, he was pretty impressed with what, <laughs> what I, I, do. I do.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's, um, uh, I think that was the Jimmy. The Jimmy,
3: <laughs> great episode. Well, I actually did make a resolution. It's already been completed. and That was to cut
1: the cord. I'm off a cable, and it feels great. That's uh, that's good. So, what is the process there? Like, what does that involve?
3: Um, well, I had to call up. Uh, well, I did some testing of the different options. I ended up going with uh, YouTube TV. Gets a pretty nice stream quality for me has enough of the sports that I'm looking for, and then the couple of channels that my wife cared about. So I arrived on that. Then I had to call up Comcast and go through a rapid series of questions trying to convince them that I did indeed want to cancel my service. Uh, It's canceled. I still have internet through them. Now all I have to do now is just take my uh, cable boxes and other equipment back to the Comcast Center within 10 days. I just did this a couple of of hours ago, so I'm still riding a high from it. And then I will have officially cut the cord.
1: Congratulations.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. So, I mean, I feel like my 2020 has to just, you know, go ragingly well uh, now that I've cut the cord.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a first step uh, on what's going to be an important journey for you.
3: Yes. Well... On that note, for those of you out there planning on taking a fantasy journey in 2020, head to rotoviz.com and subscribe right now we have a bunch of different um, length options i would personally recommend going for the 2 year to the best uh rate in terms of making an economical purchase right now but um, if you want to crush it in 2020 i think we're going to help you do it so definitely go check out the site and if you are a podcast listener we do have a uh, special subscription for you at a discounted rate that you can find on the podcast homepage com forward slash podcast. Um I will give you a quick little minute here Matt to jump in with anything that you felt like bringing up just as a reaction to the games that we saw this weekend a number of good games uh before I drill you on some of the key questions that I had.
1: Uh nothing particular just big picture a wonderful slate of games maybe the best uh wild card slate that I can remember. Um didn't go super well for me betting wise which is annoying in a couple of ways. Uh, Annoying because I just, you know, don't like not to win money. But uh, on top of that, uh, I got good closing line value on, uh, I think, almost every one of my bets. So, like, I felt like I was on the right side of stuff. It just didn't go against me. But as a fan, it was a lot of fun watching the games.
3: Yeah, um, not the results in all of the games that I would have liked, but definitely a great slate of games. Um, As you are probably aware, the game that I'm referencing is the Patriots versus Titans game. (laughs) Um, But I think the thing that I want to ask you here is Derrick Henry ran all over the Patriots, right? Um, Absolutely slayed them. Ends the season with the Russian crown. There's a lot of talk that he's the best back in the league how much credence do you give to that um i mean i think we can all agree he's a very talented running back but do you think he actually makes a case for best back in the league
1: uh i mean a case for it probably um i think you know out of the rotoviz people i was always probably higher on him than most people um and i th- i think like as a site we weren't all that high on him in part because uh he wasn't you know, an established pass catching back and he really hasn't been a good receiver in the NFL, but I think he could probably be better than he is. Um, But uh yeah, I mean, I just, I like those, you know, big bodied SEC guys. And if they're from Alabama, even better. And, you know, like he's just a physical freak. Um, I think you can, pro- I mean, he's not better than Christian McCaffrey. We just have to say that. But if you wanted to make an argument you could probably make one. It just wouldn't be one that ultimately would win. But I mean, he's top five, I'd say pretty easily, maybe top three. Like There's nothing at all deficient with him except the receiving. And I honestly think he's better than he's shown.
3: I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I think, yeah, there's like you said, there's definitely a case that can be made for him. He probably falls out more in that top five just because he does not have as well-rounded of a game as a player like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I do think though that Tennessee has a pretty solid offensive line, and with the way that they've been firing, um, you know, a lot of cylinders down, um, you know, really the stretch and down the stretch of the season, especially in that playoff game. Well, maybe I'm overstating all of the cylinders they were firing on, but the running game was with it. But I do feel like, um, yes, Henry made a lot of plays for himself, broke a lot of tackles. But if you put like a Saquon Barkley back there, a Christian McCaffrey, you know, maybe even like a Nick Chubb type of back, I think that they're doing pretty similar things. Um, So, you know, some of um, what we're seeing from Henry might be getting overstated um, as it's more or less relating to that pure, you know, downfield up the middle type of rushing. Like you said, I do think that he actually could be a better receiver than he gets credit for. And we do see him break a number of explosive plays um, as a receiver. Uh, so yeah, I mean, overall, I think very talented
1: player. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing really to dislike about what he does. And the, the important thing with him too is that um, as, as – uh, I mean, especially in standard where uh, the impact of receiving is minimized – touchdowns matter more than anything else. And he is, I'd say like the best touchdown scoring running back in the league. So there's a lot to like about him. Yeah.
3: I mean, I don't think that there's any players in the league that are really thrilled about trying to tackle him, um, you know, in a short distance. But nonetheless, I think that the final question I have for you here is he should be probably a top five pick uh, at the running back position next year. I mean, for sure, around one type of player you're, you're assuming, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, To more pressing matters in the world of Matt Freeman, (laughs) um, the Dallas Cowboys have finally sent Jason Garrett packing. They bring in Mike McCarthy. I want to know what you think about this hire and then through a fantasy lens how it could impact the Dallas offense we don't know what's going to happen with the offensive coordinator position it looks like more could hang around but time will tell
1: yeah um so there were uh you know like jokes and memes going around twitter that um you know like the person that uh Jerry Jones really wanted to hire to re- replace Jason Garrett was Jason Garrett <laughs> and, um, you know, I think he hired basically someone who is as Garrett esque as he could find, uh, who has actually had some, you know, NFL success, uh, and, you know, was available on the market. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I like, I, my mom called me and was like, Matthew, what do you think of Mike McCarthy? And it's like, <laughs> I, I you know, I don't know. Like, I wish they would have gone with a college coach, um, you know, like someone like Lincoln Riley, someone who like has an actual track record of being innovative. Um, because I mean, I think Mike McCarthy has said and reportedly done the right things in his year away from the game. Like he's really tried to study. Analytics tried to kind of like self-evaluate and learn from his mistakes, uh, so that he could be a better coach for his second go-around. And like, I think that is that's important, and it's impressive. Like, I think a lot of coaches and people in general never get to that point. Um so like that is a good thing but you have to take it on faith that a guy who really wasn't that innovative in his first go around as a head coach is going to be more innovative this time around and I just like I don't know if that is in his DNA like as a as a play caller he was never really an innovative guy what he's had going for him for most of his career is that he has had um you know like pretty good quarterbacks and like i don't think of him as someone who like helped the packers win a super bowl i just think of him as someone who was there while aaron rodgers won a super bowl for the team so i don't really have a lot of like optimism um you know like maybe maybe he will be better than garrett it's hard to imagine that he could be any worse than jason garrett in like certain uh, kind of like decision making capacities so uh you know I guess I'm mildly optimistic but uh I really wish it would have been someone else.
3: Yeah that's that's a fair takeaway. Um I feel like it's definitely a safe hire and maybe you would a team that's transitioning away from a coach they've had for a long time. You know, maybe they take that step to go to another safe hire. They realize they're getting more of the same results, and then maybe they transition to a more um, untested but uh, kind of creative coach. Time will tell on that. Um,
1: and here's here's the thing that about Kellen Moore. Yep. Um. You know, I was pessimistic about him entering the season just because he hadn't. You know, he'd never been uh, a play caller before. But, uh, you know, given the situation, I thought he did really well and it's kind of hard to, uh, disentangle like what, what he was responsible for and what was influenced by Jason Garrett. So, you know, like there were things where, uh. Like the Cowboys didn't, uh, didn't, they weren't as aggressive as I thought they should have been, right? They didn't like press the way that they could have. It's hard to know if that was more or if that was Garrett dictating to more what they needed to do. But either way, this was a really good offense. Like in the aggregate, it was a good offense and, and it was good with a guy in his first year as a play caller. Um I think you want to keep someone like that. The problem is that McCarthy has previously stated he never wants to relinquish control of play calling duties again because he did that in Green Bay, he hated it and he wants to be the guy who's calling plays. And like on the one hand, like I kind of get it. Um you know, if you are an offensive head coach, uh and something doesn't go well on the offense and you weren't the guy who was calling the plays, like you have to deal basically with the mistake that someone else made, even though it was under your, you know, kind of direct supervision. Like you would just rather be the guy who has to own it and hopefully you don't make a mistake. But I think what that means is that you're not delegating as well as you could be. And McCarthy, I don't think, has ever really been all that great of a delegator. But the, the bigger problem, a more immediate problem here is like what is going to happen? Is McCarthy going to let Kellen Moore be the offensive coordinator and the play caller? Or is Kellen Moore going to retain the title of offensive coordinator, but basically just be an assistant coach who kind of helps out with the game plan? Um, I, you know, I would really prefer that Kellen Moore actually keeps play calling because I think that's one of the areas where McCarthy is the weakest. So, you know, again, just not very optimistic about any of this.
3: Yeah, that's perfectly fair. So so just to close, um, in terms of Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, any player that might be in the Cowboys offense next season, does the move from Garrett to McCarthy make you radically change where you'd be selecting them in 2020 drafts?
1: I don't think so. And I mean, at this point, I don't know how – no, I don't think so. Like I think it's just too hard to project – how uh anything within that offense might be different. Um like I'm sure there will be differences, but I just I I can't really imagine that it would impact the bottom line of production all that much.
3: That's kind of the place that I arrived after having thought about it. So I think we're on the same page there. Final question for you Matt before we start talking about the uh games that will be coming up this weekend. Um which was more surprising to you to see New England lose or New Orleans lose?
1: Oh, New Orleans. Yeah, me um, too. Pretty easily. Although um, I did bet live on the Vikings at plus eleven and a half, so I was I was happy with that outcome. Obviously, um, and every like every sharp better I knew last week was on the Vikings. Uh, I just didn't want to bet them at anything under plus ten. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was very surprised by that outcome. Not really surprised by the new England outcome. They just, you know, they have a great defense and I thought they actually had, um, a pretty smart defensive game plan. Like sure. Let Derek Henry run all over you and put up 14 total points on offense. Like that's fine. That's something you could actually live with. Yep. What they couldn't live with was what they were getting on offense. Um, so, you know, unfortunate outcome for the Patriots, but not really surprising.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And it's probably a good time to remind everybody that the playoffs are still in full swing. NBA and NHL action is abound. There's no excuse for not getting in on the action at my bookie. We still have a special RotoViz promo code for you, which uh, will allow you to get a 50% deposit bonus match um, on a deposit that you make uh, if you're a first time player on my bookie. So headed the site. It's a site that I personally place all my wagers on. I've always had a great experience with my bookie. There's so many different things that you can bet on. Payouts are super fast. They have great customer service. And of course, as I mentioned, our listeners can get a 50% deposit bonus by using the promo code rotoviz. So make the most of the rest of the season and visit mybookie.ag today. That's my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Matt, moving on to what is an intriguing slate of matchups coming up this weekend. Let's start with Minnesota versus San Francisco. The over-under is at 45 and San Francisco is favored by seven points. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah. So that over-under opened at 46 and it's moved down to 45. I think we talked about this um, previously, but uh, maybe we haven't. But Uh, outdoor games in the playoffs tend to go under and indoor games tend to go over. Uh, and so this is just, you know, I think, a a game that, uh, is kind of in that vein, but, um, I'm actually looking at the total here, sorry, at the spread here and I'm looking at the Vikings at plus seven and, uh, it's for a few reasons. One, uh, you know, Shanahan's team, uh, you know, throughout the entirety of his tenure with the 49ers. Um, they are 4-11-1 against the spread uh, when they are favored. Uh, and so underdogs have actually done pretty well against them. Underdogs and the, especially road underdogs in the divisional round have historically been undervalued. And I think uh, there are several reasons for this. One is that the betting market is just overvaluing home field advantage and probably the bye week. Uh, I think they are probably overvaluing um, the – the difference between the number one seed or the number two seed and then the teams that they're playing against. and uh, in part I would say that is because you have more casual money betting during the playoffs. Uh, so you know just the the market isn't quite as sophisticated. So uh, I think it's a good spot for the Vikings and then you know Mike Zimmer, I don't think he's um, I don't think he's like an upside kind of coach. Like I I don't see him as being a a kind of coach that you could win multiple Super Bowls with. Like maybe he could you know get hot or something like that and get you to one, but like his team has a very high floor. Um, They don't like they're disciplined. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and uh, like there are certain spots where his teams have just overperformed, and one of them is against non-divisional opponents. Um, You know like teams that aren't super familiar with the Vikings uh have struggled against the spread versus them so uh the vikings against non divisional opponents they're 44 19 and 1 against the spread which is just like an astronomical mm. record um so it's you know you have like all of these different things lining up in favor of the vikings like i think this should be closer to like it's at 7 now i think it should be closer to i mean 3 is too low Five is right, but five is kind of like in the middle, like it's a no man's land. So, you know, I like it at seven here
3: well I uh, recently had some nice funds added into my account thanks to Sony Michelle and Kyler Murray uh, and <laughs> <laughs> like the spot where I was planning on spending it this weekend was probably on taking uh, you know Minnesota with those seven points so now that I've heard you talk uh, through something some things there i'm I'm even more inclined to do so let's move on though to the Tennessee Titans against the other one seed across in the AFC the Baltimore Ravens it's a nine point Spread the over unders at forty seven. Obviously, the Ravens are favored by nine. Pretty big spread for a playoff game.
1: Yeah, and so this has bumped around a little bit. It opened at ten uh, in some places and got bet down pretty quickly. You can find it uh, eight and a half or nine, depending on on the book. So you know, obviously, if you have one side or another, you would you know take the uh, advantageous number. But uh, I'm with the Titans here, and I I'm a little scared about it to be honest, because like I could see. Uh, I mean, so like from a narrative perspective, it could sort of be like uh, a letdown game for the Titans, you know, coming off a big win. um, But like, can they do it two times in a row? And like the Ravens are so dynamic um, on offense, like they're – the Titans aren't going to be able to do to the Ravens what they did to the Patriots in part because you're assuming that the Ravens are actually going to be able to score points. And so uh, you doubt that the Titans are going just to be able to run the ball. At some point they're going to have to pass and the Ravens mm-hmm. have a very good pass defense. So uh, I am actually kind of worried about this, but I did bet Titans plus 10 um, for a few reasons. You know, they're seven, three and one against the spread since Ryan Tannehill became quarterback. Um, they score many more points. They have a much better point differential with him Uh you know, there's the underdog road trend uh, that I talked about, uh, and you know, in talking about the Vikings at the 49ers, uh, and then you know, as as great as Lamar Jackson is, um, he's not like the guarantor of success. Like road underdogs have actually done well against uh, the Ravens in Jackson starts. They're eight and three against the spread, uh, and you know, part of that is maybe because of the the style of play uh that the ravens have like they they can allow teams to stay relatively close because they're not just you know like chunking the ball way down the field like they're you know they're running the ball and that allows teams to stay a little bit closer but then also i think this year um the lines have just gotten inflated mm-hmm. uh with with the ravens because they are such a good team and people just want to bet on them so Titans plus 10. Uh I will take that. Anything less than 10 makes me nervous and you know that's where we are now. So if I had to bet it now, I probably wouldn't be betting it, but um Titans plus 10 is is where I originally uh leaned.
3: Gotcha. So I think then uh you're definitely more on board that uh, the Vikings have a better chance of knocking off the Niners than the Titans do of knocking off the Raiders. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very much. So I, okay. I I, give the Titans almost no chance of winning right. this game.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, The other AFC matchup has the Houston Texans against the Kansas City Chiefs over-unders at 51, and the Chiefs have a... 9 point uh, spread over the Texans they're expected to win by 9 points. I find this one a very very hard one for me to know what to do.
1: Yeah. So, uh I believe the Texans actually beat the Chiefs earlier this year, but you know, kind of like different circumstances and you can find this if you like Houston, you can find this at plus 10 in certain books. Mm-hmm. If you like the Chiefs, you can actually find this at minus nine at some books. So, you know, obviously shop around. Um, I, I'm i kind of torn on this beca- because – So, Andy Reid coming off a buy, like we just know he's the master in that situation. So, uh, that would lead me to the Chiefs. But um, historically, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson on the road – uh, and then also as an underdog, like he's done well in those situations. So I don't, I I just, I don't feel well enough about this situation. I don't feel good enough about this situation (laughs) rather to, uh, to want to, to take a, a side on the spread. But, uh, I am very much on the under here and, uh, like I'm the donkey who is swimming against the current on this one. Um, it, I, it opened at 49 it's been bet up to 51 and i bet it at 49 and as we were recording this i literally just bet it again at 51 um there are a lot of reasons why i would lean to the under in this situation um i know that will fuller is expected to come back so that is something that uh presumably will give some significant juice to the the texans offense which could push this game to the over so like i'm aware that that is like a risk that I'm taking here, but um, you know, there's the trend that I mentioned earlier of outdoor postseason games tend to go to the under. Uh 75, 56, and four is the record to the under. So, like, pretty significant. Uh, and then on top of that, the Chiefs at home have the best under record in the league under Andy Reid. They're one of the few teams in the league to score more points at uh on like on the road versus at home uh they score almost 3 points more on the road than at home. Uh you know, and like their home away differential uh in terms of like the total is 7.6 points. Uh that's easily uh number 1 in the league. Um so I'm at this point of just like looking at this game knowing that in the postseason games tend to go under uh when they're outdoors and then knowing in particular games at Arrowhead tend to go under uh, the the Andy Reid under at Arrowhead is thirty six twenty two and one, and that includes the postseason. So you know I know that these are two teams that can score a lot of points, um, but you know it's just a, a cold weather game. Um, you can attack the the Chiefs by running the ball, and I think that is what the Texans are going to do um and i think that will probably drive the game to the under
3: my takeaway from that is if i were going to get in on this one i'm probably doing so um playing the over under um not so much on the spread final game for us to talk about the seattle seahawks and the green bay packers uh the over under is at 46 and a half and the packers are favored by four points the Packers found their way into the 2 seed. I've been up and down on what I think about the team. Um, but I'm kind of in the same place on Seattle. So I don't have a really strong feeling either way on this one, but uh you are probably much more researched than I, so let's see what you think.
1: Yeah, so this this might sound kind of random. If you like Seattle in this game, I think you might as well bet on them to win the Super Bowl. Um, because like their road is actually pretty decent if you think about it. Like, if they win this game, then presumably they get to play the 49ers. They've already beaten the 49ers once, they almost beat the 49ers a second time. Like, that is a coin flip game. And then at that point, they're in the Super Bowl, and who knows what happens in that game. So, that's kind of my perspective on this. Like, if you like the Seahawks, I would take a a longer view on them and bet them. And you can find them at 11 to one or 12 to one to win the Super Bowl. But I prefer the Packers. And as you mentioned, both of these teams are really inconsistent. Like I don't have a high opinion of either one, but uh, Aaron Rodgers at home, especially in the playoffs, like this is, this is the the spot to back the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is 53, 30 and three against the spread at home. Uh, and that would give you like a 24.1% return on investment, uh, on the road, Aaron Rodgers is 45, 42 and one, which is a 1.7% return on investment. So like Rodgers has been one of the most profitable quarterbacks to back, you know, since the 2009 season or 2008 rather, um, but all of that has basically come from what he provides when he's playing at Lambeau Field. So this, I think, this is kind of the the clear spot for me. Where if I were to bet on this game, I would back the Packers. And uh, four isn't an egregious number, um, so I I took it.
3: <laughs> all right, <laughs> I like it. Um, so it sounds like you. Well, actually, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you think the team that is the underdog which has the strongest or the most likely chance of beating the favorite is Seattle though
0: or
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, because they're the closest, Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I also like Minnesota. Um, I mean, I don't think they actually will win that game, but I do like them to cover.
3: Yeah. Final question for you. So if San Francisco and Minnesota played 10 games, how many do you think that uh, Minnesota takes? Uh, Let's
1: say three. Three.
3: Yeah, that's what I would have said too. All right. Well, that um wraps up uh our first uh thirty minute show I think that we've probably ever done, Matt. Anything before I let you go and I let the good people out there listening. <laughs> go no
1: let's close it
3: all right well that officially does it for this episode you can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave and at matt f the Oracle. thanks to my bookie for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe we will be back again uh, at some point this week so definitely check that out and as always remember it's not a fantasy if you believe
2: it